0: Aloha Maui. Hey, this is Josh Porter and Jason Vercard. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. This is going to be a good episode here. Ninety one. It's certainly going to be a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ninety one. Uh, this is going to be our take two with Mark Henrik- Henderson. Henderson. Mark Henderson, uh, head physicist at the Eater Project. Is that his actual he title? Is. I
1: don't know if he's head physicist, but he's the head physicist of the microwave oven.
0: <laughs> of the really big, the one really thousand big times, micro- yeah, the, the, the thousand
1: oven? times larger than your microwave oven. Microwave oven.
0: So Eater is the largest kind of uh, like science experiment known to mankind out there in the south of France, working on fusion, right? A, big,
1: a large international project. Uh, basically, they're going to try to make a small mini sun, controllable to heat water simply similar to like a regular nuclear reactor fission reactor but it is using fusion instead and it is supposed to be like our our way forward for energy for the rest of
0: humanity, this is like four <laughs> generations out. It's going to be a couple four, hundred through, generations four, of what, hundred, how we for yeah, four, yeah, four
1: yeah, through the go. next hundred generations until uh, we understand something else. <laughs> yeah,
0: and you may wonder why a solar uh, talk show and renewable energy talk show is talking about this. Well, it's all about energy. Going to learn all about it in this great interview we had. Uh, he gave us a lot of time the other day, so we'll jump into that shortly. Let's do our housekeeping and get right over to news and events. Uh, and take it from there. Hey, folks, we are The Solar Coaster, a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We'll be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. at Koi 11.10 a.m., also 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry
1: website www.solar-coaster.com the blog is working again yay, uh, yay. www.solar-coaster.com that's a hyphen uh, you can listen live there if you're outside our broadcast area uh, now check the blog tab got images of all our great travels and weird stuff going on there but the most important thing scroll down the bottom get on our mailing list or submit your questions uh, for the show we'll definitely get things on the air we're also available on podcast networks itunes stitcher and tune in i'll carry the solar coaster apples sent me a note yesterday and said you can now say hey Siri Play me the solar coaster, Oh, wow. and we should come up. Get out of here! <laughs> so I'm somebody doing it. try
0: that and let me know if it works. <laughs> doing it right away. And thanks to uh, a couple of those uh, uh, send those emails, emails we got um, mm-hmm. last week asking about some really cool things with solar air conditioning systems. So we're uh, helping the community out to the best of our ability with that. Um, Where'd you go? Podcast Jay? We got yep, that. And that. then the sponsors Maui Solar Project, uh, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonnen, Pika Energy, Sundrum Solar, and Pantech Design. Uh, hey folks, this is a call-in show, but of course this is pre-recorded uh, with the interview. Is the interview. Recorded. So uh, you can use that mailing uh, mailing area to get your questions in. All right, we're going to jump over and uh, hear the PanTech Design Minute. PanTech Design Minute number five: Smart configurable backup power during grid outage. It's all in the circuit breakers. Systems with controllable circuit breakers, a equal Equalinks battery, and an Adapt EA Energy Automation package can benefit from what's called smart configurable backup functionality.
1: This allows the system not only to focus on managing excess energy production over what you're consuming, but further tailor energy consumption based on needs and priority defined
0: by you, the homeowner. So in the event of a power outage, the system will provide backup power to specific circuits based on a predefined set of rules in the Adapt EA package. When a power
1: outage occurs, the Sonen Equalinks begins providing backup power to the main panel. You are notified by ADAPT that it is providing backup power to your home, and you're presented with options on what you would like. to power. If no option is selected, the system can be configured to default to a
0: predefined mode of operation. The AdaptDA package then sends the selected profile to the controllable breakers, which then actuate the selected circuits to on or off position based on the user's selection or the predefined mode of operation. This unprecedented control and functionality
1: allows you to have more power over longer run times for only the devices you need during an outage scenario, delivering safety, security, and functionality when your
0: family needs it most. This has been the Pantech Design Minute.
1: I do love that thing, right? I mean, it's literally oh, yeah. just, just turning off your breakers to things you're not going to use if the power's out. And so it's really shutting everything off.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is huge. And, you know, it occurred to me, uh, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, because we were trying, especially when batteries were not as mature as they are now, and we were looking at the prospect of backing up the whole house. And it was like, this is impossible. And the need for a sub panel is super expensive, right? right? So to actually, you know, pull those uh, loads over. So that provides that functionality in a really Without great way. Without having to destroy your house. <laughs> yeah, it's really really cool. So uh, <laughs> awesome! Thank you to Pantech Design for that. So we can jump over to our news and events, Jay. News right off the bat: uh, state-of-the-art climate model funded by
1: Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation shows how we can solve the global climate crisis.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this is really coming at an important time too, because right now, you know, in another article, we're going to come into this uh, new green, green New Deal, and, and the politicians are trying to figure out how to how to how to you know approach this. And then you were saying, hey, this is going to be something really important for the upcoming. Election too, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I truly believe that this next election is going to be decided by the energy policy. Of the people involved, it's about energy policy. It's, it's about how that interacts
0: with climate, change. And, climate and, change, and and basically what's going on here in this. Uh, this has been pretty well uh, distributed across all the different media outlets. Yeah, this it's came got, from, from PR Newswire, but yeah, it's got Leo's name on it, of course. So everyone's kind of going, "Oh, what's happening?" This is his foundation. Uh, this foundation like,
1: created mm, in 1998. <laughs> they went out and um, commissioned this study. So the past two years, um, the University of Technology in and the German in Sydney and German Aerospace Center have been collecting collaborating collaborating and the University of Melbourne have been collaborating on trying to figure out not just um, what's going on, but how we can actually stop the uh, reverse reverse the CO2
0: emissions that we've got and get back to kind of pre-industrial level. And and they did that by really looking at 72 regional energy grids modeled in hourly increments all the way through 2050. So they took the data right? And they said, what are we doing with energy and what do we need to accomplish here in order to keep our our planet from warming? And, you know, they made some, uh, they came up with some pretty great stuff. It said, uh, citing a growing body of research, we show that using land restoration efforts to meet negative emission requirements, along with a transition to 100% renewable energy by 2050 gives the world a good chance of staying below the 1.5 degree centigrade target. So um, basically they're saying, hey, you know, this is the first model that's been been talked about or been discussed that doesn't, have uh, what do they call it carbon capture or geoengineering in it so they're talking about uh, kind of more natural approaches and they seem to have it kind of figured out here um, you know and they're talking that one of the, the core things here natural climate solutions um, uh, when they, what is it here it was uh, regenerative agriculture and then um, basically making sure we preserve our existing uh, carbon sinks and uh, things of that nature right
1: Yes and no. I mean, I see a lot of this going, a lot of stuff going in here, like the, um, the, uh, the actual land sink, uh, net CO2 sinks. Um, there's, there's three different types here, the natural one, uh, anthropogenic and then transitionals. So there's three different, three different CO2 sinks. And, and I think two of these are very much, um, artificial. So they are definitely doing carbon capture, um, farming.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, Well. in any case, it's a pretty uh, exciting uh, piece here. They do talk about some numbers and dollar figures as well. Uh, $1.7 trillion a year is the cost to do this. Uh, but they, they, they parallel that because they kind of put it upside, juxtapose it against the cost of how we're uh, currently subsidizing the fossil fuel industry, and uh, which is responsible for climate change. <laughs> so estimated at $5 trillion a year. So they're saying, hey, for a third of the cost, we can save the planet yeah that's that's the discussion right. anyway, well right? if, if you're interested
1: this entire book will be released in early 2019 um, published by Springer nature
0: uh, is an open access title and it will be available shortly I'm excited to check that out. So, um, I t- uh, let's go over to the PNG conversation. The PNG bankruptcy. PNG E
1: bankruptcy. and P- P- E is uh, Pacific Gas and Electric is the um, largest power company in California. It's not the only utility in California. It's one of the largest, but they've entered bankruptcy again. Um, they Second are, time, right? They are now. 2001 and the, uh, the, the reason why this is making the news is because they are specifically trying to get out of a whole lot of power purchase agreements that they've got with uh, renewable energy uh, generators. So these are companies that built a large wind farm or a solar farm and they hashed out an agreement, you're gonna buy energy from us for the next 20 years and now they wanna back out.
0: And here's the key piece of this, right? Being in this industry, we've seen this over the last five years, major precipitous Mm -hmm. drop in the cost per kilowatt hour of energy generated from renewable uh, projects like solar farms and wind uh, turbines. Right. So um, and you and you can see right now, I mean, if you were to think about it, for example, here in our environment, we're seeing numbers with storage at like, was it seven cents a kilowatt hour? It It was 11 11 or 12 uh, for the latest Including the storage. Right. Uh, Whereas a couple, you know, maybe if I don't know how many years ago. Let's say five years ago, could have been up in the twenties, right. right? So that kind of delta, we you have to presume they've been dealing with something similarly, and they're going, hey, we're in bankruptcy court. We can't, we can't, we can't pay this expensive amount for these. Uh, the reason why they're in bankruptcy mm-hmm.
1: at court is because they're on the hook for all the wildfires that they're.
0: That's power what, lines supposedly cost. Right, right. But <laughs> what the consequence of this can be that uh, the the judge there's a judge that's going to make the decision in federal court. It's going to say yes, you can either break these contracts Dennis or Montali you cannot. Dennis of right? San Francisco,
1: is kind of the only guy
0: in town. This now. is a big deal. This yes. is a big deal. Um, there's a lot to check. Anyway, check that out, folks. Uh, this was uh, in the Environment and Science News. Uh, Mercury news. Mercury news. Great, great, great. Let's jump over away from that. We'll go over to. Tesla, big news with Tesla is they're not making the solar roof. Uh, They're still (laughs) not
1: making the solar roof. They're actually on the hook now for um, a a fine in more than $40 million if they don't uh, double up their production. Uh, They have to hire more people. That was an agreement that they had um, with the city of Buffalo, uh, that they would hire a certain number of people to be allowed to build this factory and buy the land cheaply. Ah. Uh, They have not hired the people. Gotcha. And so they're they're kind of on the hook for it. The issue is it doesn't really seem like Tesla's uh focus is building the solar roof at all. Now, like their entire earnings call is still do- dedicated to the Model 3. Uh Elon Musk has never even visited this particular factory, although he keeps going on and on about visiting all the car factories in China.
0: I bet she just pays the fine. 40 million bucks to him is kind of like, all right, yeah, well, sure. we'll just have to deal uh, with that. Well, it. it's,
1: it's really <laughs> unfortunate though because I can see some ways that that, that the solar roof would be um, much more attractive to a lot of people oh yeah once Maybe that sure hits market
0: there. it's going to be huge um very exciting to see to, to get that we are, we are people call me and ask me about that actually but uh that is delayed they're focusing on the the batteries are focusing on the uh on the cars. cars and i'm sure once the time is right they're going to hit that really hard but yep. not yet okay? okay let's jump over to the politics behind ocasio-cortez and the green new deal very briefly just so you know renewable energy world published this article there it's all over the place Uh, The bottom line is that there is the there is this you have a 29 year old senator from Brooklyn, I think, from New York. Right. Mm -hmm. This. And she's saying she's kind of going after the jugular right now with uh, the political system and saying we need this uh, like Apollo space mission level or, you know, uh, this is our I think she even at one point said this is our World War too, and that she used the green um, the green New Deal as another thing on, on Re- uh, Delano Roosevelt's uh, green New Deal so th- basically she's saying that hey we need to go after this uh, full force but the political uh, you know the 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 I would say installed and entrenched politicians all throughout this article just lists all of the people saying, "Ah, it's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. Um, but that being said, it kind of feels like the time we're in right now, this could be uh, a a really important uh, piece of the, of the conversation for the, uh, for the actual presidential campaigns that are going to start. Right.
1: Right. Which is exactly what I was just saying is it's definitely going to be the hotbed topic for the next elections.
0: And there are some, um, some candidates out there that embrace this green new deal and they, they, the, the, the details are scanned, so it really hasn't been mapped out yet. A couple of think tanks are working on it, but the uh, politicians like well, Elizabeth Warren, even, yeah, Gillibrand, yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker, Jeff Merkley—all these people are out there. Bet- Beto O'Rourke—they're all gunning for uh, 2020, and they're starting to figure out if they're going to take this on or not. I, this is exciting stuff to watch. It is uh, it will please check it out um, and then learn all about what's happening uh, at Renew Energy World
2: with this. Yeah,
1: well, educate yourself on the Green New Deal, no matter what.
0: We got to head over, but one last thing, just real fast—we got the Key Hay Charter School is putting up uh, the 1,250-panel uh, array. Uh, congr- congratulations! i, I putting up an awesome system. Yeah, we haven't like- been
1: over to see it yet but apparently it's all over the entire flat roof of the school and out in the parking lot so they have tons of power
0: okay we gotta wrap and go over to our commercial break come back right back back with mark
1: henderson from eater
0: aloha and welcome to maui solar project it is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent hawaiian day Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, Climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Tabuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. This system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar
3: investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system.
1: The Sonnen Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonnen Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonnen Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonnen Battery Eco at sonnen batterycom
0: MIT founded PICA Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. PICA's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pico's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pica Energy. Own your power. To learn more, visit pica-energy.com.
1: All right, so we're back with Mr. Mark Henderson from ITER, the fusion reactor project in France. Uh, mm-hmm. Last time we spoke, it was a little bit rushed. I do apologize for all of that. We literally we literally had you stuck in between immigration and baggage claim at the airport <laughs> trying to find a time to talk to us. So hopefully this goes a little more smoothly, but we do, again, we do appreciate
3: the time, sir. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. It's honestly my pleasure. And it's more convenient this time as well. <laughs>
1: Excellent. So for the folks that kind of missed it last time, just introduce yourself real quick, your history, what your position is with the Eater project and what we're doing here.
3: Okay, my name is Mark Henderson, and I'm a U.S. citizen. I I did my Ph.D. in the States. That was back in the 80s, 90s. And then I left Europe. I left the U.S. to go to Europe, and I've been working in uh, fusion programs in Europe since uh, 92. Uh, I came to Eater in 2008. And my job is to heat the plasma, uh, plasma being the fourth state of matter, like the sun. You take a solid, you heat it, it turns into a liquid. Heat a liquid, turns into a gas. You heat the gas, it turns into a plasma. And my job is to use microwaves to heat this plasma to about 150 million degrees Celsius. 150
1: million degrees Celsius. If I'm not incorrect, that's hotter than the center of the sun. <laughs>
3: it's about, I think it's about 10 times hotter. 10 times hotter. Good night. 10 times hotter. And that, and that is something we can do. We can, uh, back when I was working in uh, Lausanne, Switzerland, we could do that on a day-to-day basis. Humanity has achieved heating things hotter than the sun.
1: And and fusion has been going on for quite a while too, from what I understand, right? The original fusion project, uh, although they're not not energy generating, we've been doing it since the 60s.
3: Even even before, the the, the initial dream of fusion was back in like the 1920s. Wow. And uh, that's, that's, that's about the time that humankind started looking into what is a nuclear reaction and started understanding things. One of the things we were looking at was the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think about it, the sun has been around for 4 billion, 5 billion years, and is continually burning. What in the world is going on up there, and how can it be kicking out so much energy all the time and never burn out? And that's when they thought of thinking, well, if we could t- tap into that type of energy source, then we would have basically an unlimited supply of energy relative to mankind's uh, lifespan. And so it, the real research started about the end of World War II, and we've, we've actually been progressing very well. We measure our progress by the density, the plasma, the temperature, and the way that we can hold the plasma in place, what we call the confinement time. And about every 1.5 years, we double our performance over the years. And that, that's actually better than the uh, computer chip technology. All
0: right. So, uh, Mark, just to follow up here. So what what exactly is Eater? Uh, what does it stand for? And what is its mission?
3: Okay. So actually, you said before that it was a European talk it. it is actually a... Uh, international device. It is an international program where we have uh, the Europeans, the U.S., Japan, China, Russia, India, and South Korea all working together, contributing funds, contributing scientists to build this donut device that is about 20 yards across, and about 20 yards high. And the objective is to be able to heat a gas to this 150 million degrees Celsius and When you get it that hot, that dense, it actually gives off energy. And our objective is to get a tenfold increase in energy, as viewed by this thing called what we call a plasma. So for every watt I put in to heat the system, we're hoping to get 10 watts out. And I'm going to pause for one second. I'm I'm a, a scientist or a physicist, and I look at that from a physics perspective. Eater is not going to be achieving a generation of electricity. Because in order to run my system, in order for me to generate one watt, I have to pull about three watts from the grid. And just the the mechanism of pulling electricity from the grid and generating microwaves is not very efficient.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And then I put the one watt into the plasma. The plasma gives off 10 watts, but then those 10 watts heat water that would then generate electricity and the amount of electricity that would be generated would be three watts so it's basically a break-even scenario from the viewpoint as an engineer or as a grid and so either it will not give electricity back to the grid our objective is just to demonstrate can we make this reaction that's occurring in the sun at a rate where we're getting about a tenfold increase then once we know that we go the next step and hopefully get a 40 50 60 fold increase and with that, we would actually be generating electricity.
1: Okay, so ETER is still very much an experimental <laughs> project.
3: Correct. And originally ETER stood for the uh, International uh, Troidal Experimental Reactor. Um, now they, they changed the name to say the way, as in the way of a clean source of energy. <laughs> it is an international project. I, I should um, interject one thing, is that I say a clean source of energy, and in reality, there is no such thing as a clean source of energy but right? if you look at even um, uh, wind turbines or solar panels all of those uh, it requires to we produce co2 by generating the metals uh, installing the system some like the solar panels are going to be generating chemical wastes and are, there's no such thing as a clean source uh, there are less dirty sources and sure. there are really dirty sources of energy and fusion is one of those that is a less dirty source of energy.
1: Yeah, carbon is very much uh, kind of a conversation point for us <laughs> at, this, <laughs> at, this, at this stage of the game. When we talk about, obviously, solar a lot, or traditional renewables, people think of wind, hydro, geothermal, these types of, of energy sources. Recently, the whole conversation of having solar panels recycled <laughs> has now come up because they're, they're, some of them are starting to age out, and what do we do with this mass massive influx of panels that we are creating? Uh, the same with batteries,
3: correct? And, and some of those things, like in the, in the batteries, lithium is a, is a very, fairly rare source, mm-hmm. and just throwing the batteries out. We're basically killing our future or killing our future generations to be able to use the resources that we have at our exposure today. Uh, so recycling, I mean, that that's where the U.S., uh, no offense to the listeners, but the U.S. is really, really far behind in recycling. Uh, Europe is miles ahead. Right. And, and that, I think, is shame that we just, I mean, we just throw out stuff so easily uh, rather than thinking about recycling.
0: Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the potential side effects, right? So people are familiar with fission and sure. of course there it's a very controversial topic especially right now because there's a lot of dialogue about how retiring nuclear plants while we're incorporating renewable energies in some instances actually increased carbon introduction into the atmosphere so we have these uh, this kind of this really key issue that's happening right now what about nuclear fusion what are some of the side effects radiation waste products is this something that is cleaner than fission how much is it as
3: clean as renewable energy right yeah <laughs> I think it's unfortunate no one has ever gone through a, a full pollution footprint of the various energy sources we have
2: right right my
3: knowledge and has on that uh, I was trying to contact uh, an agency in London to start looking into th- something like that uh, the Efficient, fission, of course, so fission is the, the, pro- the process is you're taking a very large atom like uranium, you hit it with a neutron, it splits apart, gives off energy. And it gives off uh, the energies in the form of the particles that are leaving have a higher velocity. It has neutrons that go off and then either split more atoms or run into a water atom that then heats up, turns into steam and generates steam generates electricity. So you're taking a big atom, splitting it and giving off energy. Fusion is the opposite, you're taking two small atoms, isotopes of hydrogen, you're slamming them together. When they combine, they give off a neutron and a helium atom. And these are coming off in uh, about 10 times more energy than in a fission reactor. So the individual reaction kicks off a heck of a lot more energy than in the fission. And the byproducts, the neutron and the helium is not radioactive. So that's, that's the good news. The, mm-hmm. the bad news is that the neutron it goes off and runs into our stainless steel vacuum chamber. And inside the stainless steel, there's cobalt, niobium, tantalum, and other materials. And the neutron hits those and activates those materials. And so the vacuum chamber does become radioactive. So it does create radioactive waste but those wastes are controllable in the sense that they're solid waste is much easier they're, they're not the liquid or the gas waste and we can manage those easier and the half lives are such that we can put them off to the side and we can manage those within the lifespan of uh, a few generations so it's a, it's a a cleaner source of energy in the sense that we can manage it and the, the good side is that fusion can't explode it can't mm-hmm. do like a Chernobyl <laughs> or a, a Fukushima. The, the reaction is something where if we run into a problem, the plasma runs into the vacuum vessel, cools off, and the reaction stops. And it just can't have a chain reaction like an efficient reaction.
1: Yeah, that was actually my next question. Is is oh. I've, I've read about something called a disruption. <laughs> this is very <laughs> nice, nice, oh, innoc, oh, nice, oh. nice, nice, innocuous term. <laughs> But so a disruption like that. I mean, it, you would have if the material is it gets outside the chamber, it cools and the reaction stops. I mean, there's there's literally nothing to propel it on beyond the reaction chamber, and it doesn't and it doesn't give off radiation directly like that.
3: Correct. A, a disruption and there's there's actually different types of uh, disruptions. Uh, one of our worst ones, the ones I don't like, are a vertical disruption, mm-hmm. is where suddenly, if you can picture a a donut. That is a hollow donut, so it's a metal chamber, and inside of that donut we have the plasma, and it's running around. Um, it, it basically is a, a, a mini donut inside of the donut that is a picture like the sun mm-hmm. um, inside of this metal chamber, and suddenly the perturbation happens, and it moves vertically, and all of the energy just slams into the vacuum chamber, mm. and it it can be very disruptive to the vacuum chamber, but we've designed the wall such that, and we have control mechanisms to be able to um, break the plasma before it runs into the vacuum vessel and before it can damage the vacuum vessel. And it, it's all self-contained so that even if it does run in and damage the first wall, it can't escape from that chamber. Hmm. So it, it really is a, in that perspective, it is a safe <laughs> and, you know, environmental energy source.
0: So it's 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 universally considered a kind of a, a a preferable nuclear power source to fission, right? And it's just a matter of us getting right. there from this point in time, I suppose, right? So we, we talked a little bit about timelines um, last time, of course. But w- what what is the basic timeline to get uh, either or I, I suppose grid connected, really? Uh, well, that would yeah, that would that, be that, that would, would be, be the the next
1: project is it's viable. Called demo is that correct? It's a
2: demo,
3: <laughs> correct? Demo. It's already it's on the roadmap. It, it is on the roadmap, and uh, the, the idea was that uh, there's been multiple fusion programs throughout the U.S., Europe, China, Japan, so on the lines. And it was running to a point where we needed a bigger machine. And I, you know, I can go into to explain why a machine needs to be the size of Eder. Um And it, those machines, the bigger they got, the more expensive they were, the longer of time it takes to build them. And that, that's just normal. And and so the ITER device is supposed to come online around 2025. And there will be 20 years of experience with that, that machine or with this machine. And so it will run from 2025 to about 2045. And about halfway through that process, we'll learn how the burning plasma operates. And with that knowledge, we can go to the next machine called DEMO. That would be a demonstration reactor. And the idea is that all the countries put their money into one pot, we build one machine, we gain the knowledge, and then each country can go off and build their own demo machines. There's already a design team going on in Darking, Germany, to develop a European demo. In Haifei China, there is a China demo, there's a Korean demo, a Japanese demo, and even the U.S. is thinking about building a demo. And that would be... You know, if all things worked well if the funding was there money would be available for demo probably around the 2050 2060 range to actually generate electricity
0: do you have and a, there would be a do you have a sense of the scale of the demo uh, in, in these that are being designed now
3: right the demo machine would be a slightly larger than uh, the eater device so either the, the main chamber and the, 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 cry, the we use superconducting magnets so the magnets are cooled down to liquid helium temperatures that volume is about a 20-yard by 20-yard type arrangement. I think demo would probably be about uh, a 20%, 30% larger in terms of size. So it would be about uh, 25 twenty five yards across and 25 yards high.
0: Are, are we able to talk in terms of power output?
3: I That is um, a, kind of an open question. I think the output would be either supposed to produce, as viewed by the plasma, the order of... Um, 500 giga, 500 megawatts uh demo would be in the order of uh gigawatts type range and that would be a, a electrical generator so a
1: mid-sized fission reactor yeah. class
3: correct yeah correct and then, then of course it, it really depends upon how we learn uh what type of <laughs> what we'd like to do is to go to a little bit higher temperatures and densities get better performance and with that um, there's a regime what we call ignition and that's kind of like when you build a fire in your fireplace. Well, actually, you guys don't have to do that because you're in Hawaii. <laughs> it's cold. There's snow on the ground out here in France. Um, <laughs> when you start a fire, you, you put small kindling underneath uh, before you put the big pieces of wood. And you, you need a, a good set of hot coals built underneath it before the fire itself can burn on its own. Mm-hmm. And before you can just throw a log on. So what Eater needs is we need an external heating source to be able to get it to a high enough temperature. And if we can get it to that high temperature, high performance, then we can turn the heat off. So there's no input of energy and we just throw in the raw material and it burns on its own.
2: Mm. And
3: that's what we call ignition in that you get a very, very high efficient return. You're not investing energy to heat the plasma to give it, to give it energy back off. It just does it on its own. And, and if we can get that, then the gigawatt type reactor can actually go in a higher. We can go beyond a few gigawatts.
0: Gotcha. And so, just to just to recap that timeline of demos being active at about one gigawatts in these different one gigawatt in, in these these different environments around the world was that about twenty forty five because it was a around twenty thirty five build up towards maybe around twenty
3: forty five. Yeah, practical. that's what I would. Have, that's what I expected.
1: That's a, that's a perfect <laughs> but, but, world that, kind of scenario, though. <laughs>
3: Exactly, <laughs> and that and that depends upon funding. And I mean, one one of my frustrations with humanity is that uh, we are very selfish and mm. egotistical. Uh, the I don't think the technology is the limitation on fusion. I think it is the long term vision. Mm. And you know, you you look at the problem we have right now with global warming. That's because it, we we know that well, the majority of us know that. There is this thing called global warming. And yet we are producing more carbon dioxide today than we were yesterday. And it continues, yeah. yeah, And we we are, I mean, our, our production of CO2 is actually accelerating significantly. And we don't have the capacity to realize that we are killing future generations. The future generations are going to inherit what we're doing. And to me, fusion is not something that's going to be a solution for today. Fusion is going to be a solution for three or four generations down the road. Mm. But then it's also a solution for 100 generations, 1,000 generations, 10,000 generations down the road.
0: This is really, like you said, we as, as humans, humanity doesn't seem to have that... Type of time horizon thinking, or abil- maybe it has the thinking, but it doesn't have the ability to make those kinds of decisions collectively. It seems so. That's if correct. if we, um, but you're talking about a hundred generations, which is remarkable, because what, what, how do we think about hundred generations? Within well, Hawaii, there's a concept. Ancient Hawaii is a concept of of I think seven generations of impact to the environment. Have you heard of this, mm-hmm. Jay? Yeah. So this notion of forward looking uh, at our environment and how do we protect it is something that's kind of inherent in Hawaiian culture. Uh, you know, I'm interested once again that timeline. Okay, you said that that demo is necessarily a solution for now it's a solution for maybe four generations moving up through hundreds of generations from now but it, it, what what is your read on the your personal read or as a professional or as, or as an individual on the on the expansion of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere on the consequence of global warming and then the role that renewable energies play until we get to
3: demo I, I believe that humanity is addicted to uh, fossil fuels. I mean, it's just we, we just have it it's very easy to, to burn and i'm i'm happy to get off of that addiction and use whatever mechanism we have even as it may not be the most efficient um uh, wind thermal solar geothermal hydraulic whatever uh, and even fission because fission has the advantage it's going to sound backwards but it has the advantage that we know how we know what the wastes are. We know that they are wastes, and that we treat them with respect because a nuclear waste, we don't want to just dump it anywhere. Yet, with the fossil fuels, we are just dumping the waste straight into the environment. We're, we're completely careless of what we're doing, and it, it, it's, it's, we just are behaving as if it is not a byproduct, and it's not dangerous. You know, and it, it's that we have to change our mentality.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's an interesting Thanks. conversation because, Mark, what we find in the renewable energy space and a lot of the dialogue we're having is this complete devotion to renewable energies uh, in in many liberal environments. But it's also kind of growing and growing and growing. I think across the country and the world. But once you bring in the notion of uh, embracing nuclear energy alongside of renewable energy, it's like this kind of like. Uh, there's a big surprise. People aren't aren't really ready for that conversation yet. And it's something that I think Jay and I have been kind of getting more and more acquainted with over time as we speak to different energy professionals. We get a sense of how utilities operate and and what the needs are to be able to uh, to, to take the, the, the kind of forward steps. So, I mean, um, it seems like fission is a critical piece of the puzzle. There's kind of no getting around that. Am I right, gentlemen? That's really a key thing. I,
3: unfortunately, I agree with you. Right? Well- Yes. The thing I like about fusion is that, oh, there's multiple. One is that every single energy source that exists is a a result of a previous fusion reactor. But the the solar um, solar energy is coming from the energy produced inside, which Mm -hmm. is a fusion reactor. The carbon-based fuel systems is based on the fact that the sun existed way back when you had plants that were able to... Generate the take carbon dioxide, separate out the carbon from the oxygen, and then create a carbon base. And that came from solar energy, which came from fusion. Even the fission generation of uranium is produced. Uranium was generated in a supernova previous suns and bygones. And so without fusion, uh, first of all, the only thing that would exist in this world would be hydrogen or helium.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: but <laughs> but the, the fusion reaction has given us the basis. And so fusion is, uh, in a sense, going back to the very ultimate source of this energy. Right,
0: right. That's a great way and, to, that's a really valuable way, thing to hear, right? I can yeah. see how that's right. the origination of everything, in a sense.
3: Yeah. And the other cool thing I like is, that you guys are in Hawaii, if you look out and you see the Pacific Ocean, the, the amount of energy in every gallon of water that you see in front of you is equivalent to about 350 gallons of gasoline and
1: that's pretty impressive
3: <laughs> that's, a big, that's a big number yeah <laughs> and that's why the, the the and this isn't you're not really taking one gallon and putting it into the reactor you're, you're taking the one gallon you're taking out about 0.00001 percent of that mm. mass and putting it into the reactor and you know, that's where I say the, the amount of energy that we have in front of us to run into fusion goes into thousands of generations into the future. And to me, fusion is a challenge. I, I'm i sure that we can get there to create a fusion reactor. Whether it's economically viable, that's a challenge, I admit it. But the potential that's before us is something that's worthwhile to invest in.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we're, we're talking about investments then, (laughs) and this, and this is, and this is one of those really difficult conversations. I mean, how much money does it cost to build a machine like Eater or demo and, and where, where are you on this scale?
3: Right. That's a bad question. That's a bad can question. I, can I pull out a, a, a joker card and say I'm a physicist? I'm not worried about money. Does, <laughs> sure. Does that count? Sure. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't do that. Um, well, first of all, Eater eater doesn't count because mm-hmm. the building this machine, we're not building it the most efficient way. Uh, there's a lot of politics involved. For example, my, my microwave heating systems. My system is like a microwave oven uh, rather than uh, – your microwave oven in your kitchen that generates a kilowatt my microwave oven is generating a megawatt so it's a thousand times more powerful than your kitchen microwave oven mm-hmm. uh, i have four different countries providing the microwave oven to me
2: mm. and
3: that that challenges my system because i had to have four different ways because they're four different designs to integrate that into my, the overall system. And it's similar to if you wanted to go change your tires on your car, and you go to the garage, and they say, Okay, well, we have a good deal with Dunlop tires. Uh, you would say, No, 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 I don't want I want one of those. I would like a Michelin, I'd like a Firestone, and I'd like another solution. And they're putting four different tires mm-hmm. in the car. It's just idiotic. Mm-hmm. And we have to build either that way, because it's a, the various governments are providing the parts, and we have to put it together. So if we built a neater more efficiently, I think you could build a, a device like this for somewhere around 10 to 15 billion. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of frame. I think demo is going to cost probably about 50%, 20 to 50% more expensive. So probably the range of 15 to 20 billion. Sure. And that's not, okay, for your salary, that's a huge number. Sure. But for plants now, billions is a, is a standard number for building the a, a, energy producing plant.
2: Right,
1: right. Well, <laughs> it's, it's,
3: Some it's of you guys are
1: quiet. Yeah, no, it's mean, so it's a lot to take in. We're trying to figure out. I mean, our our goal here at the show, of course, to get people involved in the conversation, to educate as best as possible. I mean, what can people do? It, it sounds like having all these disparate microwave ovens. I mean, I was I, I thought for a second. Well, if I if I can go down to the junkyard and collect one thousand microwave ovens, I can build one too, right? <laughs> but but well, I. Be, this, I this,
3: <laughs> That's one of my sources. I I have actually uh, 24 and we're now going to extend to 36. So I have 36 megawatts. And we need about there's there's multiple different ways of heating a plasma. Mm -hmm. and We need a a sum of around 50 megawatts in total. Okay, so microwaves are one way particle accelerators, uh, RF generators, um, all of those are being used to study how this machine or how fusion works. Mm. And you I think you've seen the movie Let There Be Light, which mm-hmm. is a yes. fusion documentary. And there is kind of a mentality that people can go into a garage and build a fusion reactor on their own. And you know, there that type of research is very interesting and can have some positive feedbacks, but I'm convinced that a eater like sized machine is essential.
0: So and, is the political will not there presently at the level that you needed. I mean, is that what I'm hearing? Uh, you know, the global leaders, the leaders from all the different countries, they're participating, they're providing resources in kind, and not necessarily in you know monetarily, and uh, that's slowing things down as is, is more cost uh, less less cost effective. You had said. So, are you seeing? I mean, do we need some kind of better buy-in from the political leaders all throughout the world? Is that kind of the, what I'm hearing at the moment?
3: Yes, but I don't think it's fair to blame the politicians in this case because the politicians tend to follow the lead of the populace. Okay. Uh, I'm 99% convinced that humanity will never generate a viable fusion system, only because, not because of the technology, but because of the mentality of uh, humanity.
0: Well, it's a
1: huge statement. That's a Yeah, huge from, coming from you, that's, that's pretty significant.
3: <laughs> right. So- like, If the, we can change our mentality, I think fusion is a piece of cake, to be honest.
0: Here's my, my thought about this. So you have this global movement to adopt and embrace renewable energies, right? But in the full context of how they need to be deployed, this, there's this notion of fission taking a role, right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. of course, yeah. there is this notion of fusion taking the football four generations down the road to a greater future for humanity as a whole for hundreds of generations. So that's one whole narrative that at the moment I see organizations and people across the world trying to get a hold of that narrative. They don't. Mess, we don't all know what it, we don't know what it is. I think the the easiest way to approach what's happening right now is say, yeah, oh, put in wind and solar. That's what, <laughs> that'll work. It's wind and solar. That's the solution. It's going to save us. It's all green, and that's an easy thing to say. And that's you know, in a sense, that's kind of why we started the show. But I mean, if if is it possible for you to jump on or be a part of that narrative? and help, it, I don't know, maybe some of these organizations that have a broad volume, a big volume, right? And you, and you said it yourself, it's not the politicians, it's the constituencies, it's the people, right? Those are the people that are listening right. to these things. So I wonder if there's an opportunity to interject this component of the conversation to the greater renewable energy conversation that's getting excited, that people are getting excited about around the world. I mean, that's just a thought, <laughs> right?
3: I think it is, but I, um, okay, for me personally, I, I try to do whatever I can, for example, this interview. Um, to interject my perspective on this. And, and also the, the film Let There Be Light for me was a, a, an excellent opportunity to vocalize some of the frustrations I have with, with the way that we're approaching the future or the present. So I love doing this type of stuff, but it, it really is not going to be one or two or three or four scientists or, or movie stars who do this. It's going to be the people, the, the average person who's sitting right now in their car driving down the road realizing Every mile that that person advances, they are kicking out carbon dioxide in the environment. And that carbon dioxide is going to be polluting both themselves and future generations. And can I throw in the yeast analogy? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So for me, humanity, you know, I have have an iPhone sitting next to me and I look at the iPhone and I think of all the technologies in the iPhone and I just get mesmerized by what humans have been able to advance from a primitive species to generating something of that type of technology. And yet I feel like humanity is is pretty much like uh, yeast. And that is in the sense that if you take a bowl, you put flour, you put water, and you put the yeast inside, you mix it all up, that suddenly the yeast will start eating the sugar that's in the flour. Uh, reproduce then eat more sugar reproduce eat more sugar until you'll see this the dough will start rising just because the, the yeast are multiplying 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 and eating up the sugar and the ball of yeast just continues to rise up to the point where um, there's no more sugar for the yeast to eat they stop multiplying and basically they die off and all we're left in this dough then is either dead yeast the stuff the yeast could not eat or the excrement of the yeast and okay I, I hope that doesn't turn you off on bread or pizza dough, or, but <laughs> humanity is like that we will consume we consume we consume we're not capable of pacing ourselves to realize how much resources we have out there because the earth is finite and we are just consuming just as the yeast we're eating and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying so is humanity. We are eating and multiplying, eating and multiplying, up to the point where we are going to be living in our excrement and die off. And you know, I, I just think it's sad that we have such intelligence and they're are so stupid.
0: Yeah, it is sad. I, I, you know, I wonder if uh, if I if I might interject the. Uh interplanetary travel idea at this moment because a couple of those yeasts are saying, a couple of those yeasts are self-aware <laughs> and they're saying, hey, we need, this isn't going to work out and we want a uh, escape plan. Yeah, and, we want to uh, take it off this rock. Yeah, and so we're, we're pretty, <laughs> out, of, ex- out of the bowl. We're pretty excited because we just had a conversation with someone from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. So we're going to schedule that show shortly uh, and have that conversation. But I mean, um, do you think that guys like Elon Musk, for example, are thinking along the lines of this yeast analogy and they're realizing, despite all of our best efforts, we might not be able to do it. I mean, do you think that's in their minds?
3: It it, it can be. I don't think I'm all for space exploration. Don't forget the speed of light is a barrier. And to get to another solar system, it does take a long, 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 long time. And to some degree, you need fusion to be able to, a lot of the people I've talked to say you need fusion because that's a, a very dense source of energy that will sustain multiple generations to go from point A to point B in space. But I I find that that's an escape route that's not acceptable. It it allows us to be completely irresponsible. Um, I I don't think we should be quaffing down all the resources we possibly can on this planet and then jump ship at the last minute and go find another solution. I think we should be more responsible on, on this piece of rock as well as how we manage the next piece of rock as well. So I'm all for but that's not the, the – I don't use the reason because we're irresponsible and we can't behave ourselves. Let's escape this place and go to someplace else.
1: Yeah, I don't think that that's an – I, I don't think it's yeah. an acceptable solution. As much as I want to go.
0: <laughs> okay. I think, should, I think
3: we should go. I'm not saying that, but um, but let's still behave responsibly while we're here and pace ourselves correctly. Rather than just uh, consuming and consuming and consuming.
0: So, when you mentioned the driving discussion and the driving example, and you know, I myself, I gotta tell you, I drive an F 150, okay? So, uh, it's not a small car, it's not an efficient car, it's not an electric vehicle. Uh, My next car will probably be an electric vehicle. But even me, right? And Jay, Jay knows I'm, I'm not like the most yeah. efficient guy, I leave lights on, things of that nature. But even me after a year and a half of doing the show and, and being in the renewable energy space for almost a decade, it really has only been more like the last year where I started to feel that notion of just what you said, Mark, that every mile that I'm advancing, I'm contributing to the problem rather than the solution. And that's something I've only recently been able to feel. And I'm not sure if it was which couple of shows it was that finally got me there as an individual, but that impact was right there, was felt really hard. And I know people that do feel that way. they live that way and they're really cognizant of what their carbon footprint is and they're really, really aware of it. And it's like, I guess the question is like, you know, is it possible for all of humanity to feel that way, or for enough of humanity to feel that way, for it to be meaningful, right? So very uh, thought-provoking uh, questions here. You definitely took us down a good road here, Mark. I do want to ask a couple
1: things. So we're trying to, I, I would still like to see the fusion program get off the ground. I would like to see humanity get together, get behind it. How can people help now? I mean, what's the best, you said that the uh, the the politicians aren't really there because the populace isn't really there. But how how can people listening to the show help? How can they how can they go to their local politicians and what should they ask for?
3: Right. Okay. I am a physicist. and I'm not a good politician, so I apologize for this. First of all, I want to thank you guys because uh, the one of the main supporting mechanism is to be able to vocalize what this fusion program is and how we can change the world. And so it's. It's people like you who help a lot. So being able to put this on the radio, thank you very much. The next step, I think, is just to be able to write to your congressman, write to your senators and say, look, there is this thing called fusion energy. The DOE puts peanuts into the fusion program relative to other sources of energy. Even the money that the government put, puts into generation, better efficient generations or recuperation of uh, petroleum. Mm-hmm. Is gets more money worldwide than fusion does. And that to me doesn't make sense. So, to push from the governmental perspective to say, you know, DOE needs to put more money into alternative energy sources, be it solar, wind, or fusion. And that's that's something I think every person has to do and push that. And that would be already a major step forward to change our mentality. And also, we should we should support. Our government to try to say look we need to get back into the uh, uh, the climate accord i know that uh, the present government is not supportive of that but your us is one of the highest uh, per capita productions of co2 and you guys have to change and you also have to get back in with the world and try to make a change for future generations. Absolutely.
0: Well, it's been a great show, and we can't thank you enough for coming on and taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, walk us through the entire story about Eater and about fusion and about how it plays a role in what's happening right now with climate change and renewable energies. It's been fascinating. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time, Mark.
3: Thank you. It's my pleasure, honestly. Thank you very much.
0: This isn't the Solar Coaster. We are sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonen, Pika Energy, Sun, Solar and Pantech Design. Uh, it's been a great show, folks. Have a wonderful weekend. Aloha Friday.